0: But remember, none of those foods have fiber. How are you going to feed your microbiome? I had a whole lecture uh, on a previous episode of The Real Truth About Health on the microbiome and how to fix it, how to restore it and repair it your microbiome. So go back and listen to that lecture. And I'll talk about dysbiosis, endotoxins, all the different aspects of what are the pro-inflammatory triggers that increase cancer growth, all the other pro-inflammatory triggers that cause uh, insulin resistance, diabetes, heart, heart disease. And then now we're looking at even further in one of my previous lectures that I gave was on the bioaccumulation of pesticides, herbicides, heavy metals, and environmental toxins. So Anti-inflammatory foods are from plants. So if someone has a pro-inflammatory problem, the first thing I always do with my patients is check and try to move them towards a plant-based diet. And if you go back to one of my previous lectures, we will talk about how we actually look at food sensitivity testing and even look at in the plant kingdom of all the foods, what foods may also be triggering inflammatory responses from your immune system functioning. So the idea is to be shifting over towards an anti-inflammatory diet. But the problem is that we're an inflammation nation. We are on fire politically, environmentally, physically, mentally, spiritually, even financially. uh, Things are kind of on fire. So we need to calm that fire down. Now, most people that have inflammation, there's another problem. And the problem is the following. We go to, as a a public, in general, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Call NSAIDs. They are our problem. Why? Well, first of all, let's talk about what is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. It's exactly what it says. It's a non-steroid, so it's not a prednisone or a cortisone, but it's an anti-inflammatory, and a lot of people forget that it's a drug, okay? This is actually a drug. And, and, the, and the problem is, although it's very commonly used, I will go over today why you should not be taking the ibuprofen and taking something else like bosmeric instead. Now, we've seen all of these, and in fact, most of us, if not all of us, have taken some of these in our lifetime. Some of you who are watching right now are taking maybe one or two of these right now as I speak. It's the most widely class of drugs taken daily. One third of all Americans use these products on a daily basis. Let me repeat that. One third of all Americans, that's 100 million Americans a day are using these products, right? Now, when we talk about ibuprofen, ibuprofen is the molecule, okay? Uh, ibuprofen here, and then this is the brand names, right? So, people will see the brand name of like Advil or Motrin, and, you know, we see naproxen. Naproxen is another a- non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, and a brand name that, you know, is commonly marketed would be like Aleve, and Celecoxib, which is a prescription drug given by doctors, uh, it's called Celebrex, and then, then the most common one that people will see is acetaminophen or a brand name known as Tylenol. All these are non steroidal anti-inflammatories, also included is aspirin. Now, there's 30 different types of these types of products, meaning since they're generic, uh, you know, many brands. So if you go to the store, you can go see a Walmart brand, a CVS, uh, you know, uh, every pharmacy will have their type of brand. And there's over 111 million prescriptions. So we're not just talking about what's being purchased over the counter. We're also talking about doctors are also prescribing on top of that. Over 30000000000 30 billion over-the-counter NSAIDs are purchased per year. That's a lot, $30 billion, okay? So when we go over and say later on why this is still occurring, it will start explaining to you is you just have to follow the money and why this is so profitable, but why is it so damaging? So what is the problem again? Well, the problem is the following. Most people don't understand the dangers behind NSAIDs. So let's start with this. NSAIDs degenerate your joints. So now, over the past 10 years, we have a lot of data, both in animal and in human studies, showing that within two years of patients who use NSAIDs, non anti-inflammatories, taking ibuprofen, taking naproxen, taking celecoxib, for example, is that it actually accelerates the x-ray. You know, when we take an x-ray, we can actually see the progression of degeneration of osteoarthritis within two years. So, the interesting thing is that it also decreases your joint space. It also decreases your inhibition of proteoglycans, your cellular matrix of the components that make this. It decreases the chondrocytes and collagen, which means that it's deteriorating the joints as you take it. So, when we look at this, most people take an NSAID because we have joint pain. That's the indication. Does it help with the pain? Yes, it does. Does it help make the pain go away? Yes, it does. Does it actually heal the joint of pain? No, it doesn't. And in fact, it has a negative effect on the cartilage and it causes acceleration and deterioration of the joint. So people who take it for osteoarthritis or back pain or hip pain or knee pain or joint pain, it actually accelerates the very disease for why they're using it. And it becomes cyclical. Right. So when most people started taking these drugs, they might go. And this is something that you might listening here might know or have the same story. Oh, yeah, I used to have some pain. I used to take, you know, an ibuprofen once a day. Eventually, it went to twice a day. Sometimes then it goes two times or three times a day. Then I had to add some naproxen or leave to it. Uh, Eventually, I had to go to my doc and then they added Celebrex. Sometimes they're compounding on these things as well, but don't make things worse because now we know that most people have joint problems. And now we have to look at how many people are now getting joint injections, they're getting stem cell injections, they're getting hyaluronic acid injections into their knees and joints, they're getting steroids into their joints, and they're also getting knee replacements. Now, another thing that people don't know is that the NSAIDs also slow down healing. It actually lowers the collagen production. Now, we used to think right now in the studies, it shows, okay, slowing down healing of injured ligaments, muscles, bones, and other tissues. I'll talk about other tissues in a second. But even, for example, in studies where we give a Toradol injection, which is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory that's given by injection, we give it all the time in orthopedics, we give it in the in the ER all the time when people have back pain they come in or some kind of acute pain, we give a, a little bit of injection of Toradol. It- It actually, when they give it before surgery, so that when you wake up after surgery, you won't have pain, which is a great idea, right? Like let's preload the patient with the anti-inflammatory. The problem is, is that it increases the greater laxity in the repair of the knee six weeks later, meaning the collagen is not as strong. So the knee is not as strong, even though we just did a repair right? And a lot of times we just blame the patient. Well, maybe they had a bad injury. uh, Maybe this is the multiple repeat of the injuries, et cetera, et cetera. We need to switch over to an anti-inflammatory diet. And then we need to also start giving them anti-inflammatories that are safe, that do not cause collagen lowering production uh, properties. It delays healing of rotator cuff surgeries, muscle strain, and ligaments. Well, the most common use of NSAIDs is that, right? Like, especially if you're an athlete, if you're a runner, or you're a bodybuilder, or you, any kind of sport athlete, you sprain your ankle, you you hurt your shoulder, you're sprain your back, you're tired or achy, you pop these pills almost on a regular basis, not understanding that it is actually decreasing your collagen. Now, the most important thing is where the research is showing you in the last couple of years that we've started to look at is that when we say we were just looking in the studies of just, well, it's an orthopedic drug and we're looking at an orthopedic problem like my joints and ligaments and stuff. So let's look at this collagen, where is it going? But what we're now looking at is that, guess what? It's the collagen that's also in the rest of your body. So how many people now you'll see you know have collagen problems, right? Like they're looking at premature aging, sagging in the face, you know, just just the creepy skin. And then what are they doing? They're getting collagen injections, you know, or even worse, people are taking collagen protein powders or collagen peptides, which is just waste product that is coming from the animal hide actually comes from the skin of the cows, believe it or not. And that's what they do, right? And so they're trying to say, well, if you take this as a food product, it's going to go to that area. In fact, the data shows that it doesn't. I have a whole other lecture. If you go to Sanjevani.net, sign up, S-A-N-J-E-V-A-N-I.net, sign up for our newsletter. We'll have a weekly podcast. We go into these topics in great detail about certain products that people take, like collagen and bone broth and now collagen peptide powders that people think in our marketing that are doing some benefits, but in fact, they actually have heavy metals, pesticides, herbicides, prescription drugs, pro-inflammatory, no phytonutrients, no fiber, no antioxidants, and they're actually damaging, but they're sold limitlessly and are almost the top sellers in every category of the health food store. Now, NSAIDs also cause heart and GI problems. So it increases your risk of heart attack. Now, most people remember the number one cause of death in America is heart attack. Three people every minute have a heart attack in the United States. And it increases the risk 19%. So even if you're eating plant-based, right, your cholesterol, your LDL, your, your, your HDL is good, your LDL is low, your bad cholesterol is low, and your total cholesterol is low because you're not eating animal protein, and you still have back pain you know, because your exercise exercising, working out or you have some trauma or damage to your joints or back or muscles, or you have a chronic condition that you're trying to take the inflammation down, it increases it 19%. So you're already increasing your risk of heart attack, even if you're already reducing the risk from other meats. It increases stroke, heart failure, and atrial fibrillation and flutter. Now, if you, one of the things that we've also been seeing in the literature is that recently in the last decade, atrial fibrillation is just becoming a common thing. When I was a resident over 30 years ago, it was rare. Like someone that had a fib, we would call it, or flutter or any kind of these kind of heart palpitation problems, contractility problems, we would send them to cardiology. And the cardiologist would have to give and manage these kind of specific patients. Now you'll see that there's commercials on television. It's very common. People have atrial fib and then atrial flutter. And you go and your primary doctor now is adding medications for control of this dysregularity of rhythm. But the key is when we look and investigate, are those patients taking NSAIDs? And the answer is more commonly, yes. It also increases blood pressure. So how many people in America have blood pressure? A lot of people take blood pressure pills every day, right? So they got back pain, they got blood pressure, got some arthritis. So they're taking all these things that are compounding, and then the doctor's prescribing something more for their blood pressure, something possible for atrial fibrillation. And maybe they're still having to take the statin because they haven't moved plant base yet. Now, the other aspect is GI bleeds. 16,000 people die each year directly from taking an NSAID. 103,000 are hospitalized. Now, in my book, I cover this, like, you know, even the data over the last 20, 30 years, because it's been now summarized in large studies. And, it, and I'll also talk about, like, how many tens of billions of dollars has this cost the taxpayer for these hospitalizations and for these deaths on when people buy Pennywise Pound Foolish, some said because inexpensive, and yet what is the cost of a hospitalization or what is, unfortunately, the cost of someone's life? But more importantly, in the last five years, as we've been studying the microbiome, we did know that, you know, yes, people who have GERD, right, which is reflux and ulcers, which are common, right, these things are caused and increased in higher rates and risks with people who take NSAIDs. So how many people take a PPI, a proton pump inhibitor, such as Prilosec or proprantazole or Meprazole, a large percent of the population? interesting thing is the doctor will say, hey, if you're taking an NSAID, we need to take you, give you a PPI to help with the issue of reflux. But it becomes a vicious circle because the drug is causing the reflux. And then they take a drug that actually will cause increase of other risks, such as microbiome dysfunction and other aspects of even cancer risk down the line.